A classic MFT. Yeah. I'm sure Justin Bieber probably didn't notice. It's just make or break big industry weekend. That seems to be my impression of like parties <laughs> at Coachella. These are dropping A-listers all over the place here. Slow down. We'll come back to it. <laughs> Our own compound security <laughs> to get in, you know, close stage. Full come time. on. You're Tom Hanks. Sam turned to me and did exactly the same thing with his yeah. head and I was like, Ronaldo! <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the MFT podcast, the podcast where each episode we look to shine a light on a small aspect of the mysterious life of a touring musician. Joining me is Greg Houston, the inspirational filmmaker behind Baby Sweet Sessions. Greg is renowned for his curiosity, unique eye and for crossing international borders with nothing but a swimming card. <laughs> also with me as ever is Sam Halliday. Sam is one third of the indie band Tudor Cinema Club. He is a writer, performer, DJ, and is well known for rubbing shoulders with royalty. Sam, uh, what is the crack with you and the British royal family? Uh, You've met a lot of them, haven't you? Yeah, I went to Glastonbury with Prince Charles. <laughs> uh, had a drink in my local <laughs> pub with uh, Prince Harry and his, his wife Meghan. So yeah, we uh, sad to see them all them go there. <laughs> I didn't realise I was in such esteemed company here, Kevin. Well. Yeah, it was it was pretty shocking, to be fair. I uh, got asked by a friend who's a local comedian to uh, go along to uh, a meet and greet with, with Harry and Meghan because someone from the council or whoever sets these sort of things up wanted them to meet some local artists, I suppose, people who work in the entertainment art industry. And they couldn't find anyone course, else. Of course. Everyone <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> else was busy. Oh, yeah, I was obviously uh, not even, yeah, it was a plus one pretty much. But then they turned up, the, the Harry and Meghan, and they just thought, they weren't briefed or anything on who, you know, these people were. They just thought we were locals to the pub. And it was really <laughs> awkward. <laughs> they just were asking us like, oh, so did you guys come here often? We were like, uh, no, not really. Oh, God. Uh, it, was, it was pretty tragic. Did they buy you a pint at least? No, no what? drinking, no drinking. We got some Irish stew uh, um, out of it. So yeah. Hang on, you weren't drinking or they weren't drinking? Nobody was drinking. All right. No, I know. Seems Harry strange to visit a pub and not have a pint. I know, right? Uh, it was the Crown Bar in Belfast, so it's a bit of a tourist uh, spot, I suppose. Um, but Harry said to me, oh, you guys are having a pint? And I said, oh, I think you need to set the tone there. And he said, you wouldn't want that. Oh. Oh. which I thought oh very good and then crack. did you call the sun straight away on <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> speed dial oh. of course oh yeah love it yeah. tidy um. profit <laughs> <laughs> what about guys why don't we uh, talk about support bands this week it's a side of the business that you guys have experience from both sides being the support band and then being the headliner for people who are just got absolutely no experience, what is a support band? What what is a support band, and what is the role? The support band are kind of like the warm up act. Like when you go see a comedian, there might be a couple of people on before the person you bought tickets for, or you know, in a boxing match, there's the undercard fights before the headline fight. Um, very similar in music, you know. So it's kind of something to kind of keep the crowd entertained um, and they would usually play for 30 to 45 minutes before the headline act. Why does somebody want the, the be a support act? 
What's the point? I know when we started out as a band, that was always the dream gig, was getting a support slot for like a, a touring band whenever they came to Belfast. Um, I suppose because, you know, whenever you start out as a band, you may play to your mates or you play in the local scene. And the chance to, to, to support a band, I guess, is to play in front of a crowd who probably have no idea who you are, chance to win some fans over, get some experience playing some bigger rooms, maybe. And yeah, I guess if you can get on a tour with a, with a band, that's, you know, getting to play with even more people and hopefully in a similar style of music to what you would play. So, you know, the potential there to make some new fans, I guess, is, is the Okay, so that, that, it's a tough crowd. I imagine, you know, if you ever go to see a band and then you're kind of like, you, you want to see who you've paid to go and see and then there's somebody, some clowns on stage, right? It can be the worst experience. We, uh, we played, this wasn't even that long ago, we played a festival in, I stress it was a festival, not like yeah, a headline slightly show. Different, slightly different. Slightly different, but it felt like a support gig. At a fe- it was a festival in Buenos Aires in Argentina and the headline act wow. was Pearl Jam. We were one or two acts below Pearl Jam and I'd say 60 to 70% of the audience there at this festival were wearing yeah. Pearl Jam t-shirts and it just felt like the whole time that we were playing, it felt like to this audience we were prolonging the wait for Pearl Jam and it was very uncomfortable like no one was rude or booing or anything it just was like there's nothing worse to play than playing to people who just looked like they could not give a fuck that you were there yeah yeah out of interest <laughs> um, and it, it, it's very it makes you feel very self-conscious what um, would you what would and, you, yeah. if we, if you were looking out and think, actually, you know what, there's a lot of two-door cinema club fans in that crowd. What would they be wearing? If not the plaid shirts, what what gives a two-door cinema club fan away in a crowd? At a festival now, it tends to be probably a sports bra. <laughs> it seems to be the, the acceptable uh, attire. Minimal clothes. Okay. Yeah. So maybe a bit of a Pretty sexier uh, look. And horrendous, horrendous sunburn, usually. Okay, so yeah, you've got to go out there and win these people over. Yeah, oh yes, exactly. Yeah, I think like luckily our sort of music, I think, and the bands we've played with, you're usually playing to maybe, you know, young teenagers or college kids who are open-minded, I suppose, to new music. Like I can't imagine being on a tour with somebody like Muse or somebody that is more a mainstream audience who people there aren't really there to, you know, they're not really interested in the sport band at all. I think mm-hmm. there's definitely certain genres of music that it's okay to be a support band in. I saw uh, Noel Gallagher was supporting the Smashing Pumpkins around America this year. Well, <laughs> yeah, strange. Sadly, in the industry, it becomes less about what makes sense on a musical level a lot of the time and more about how things fit up with diaries and which, which artist this agent is pushing or you know that kind of thing and it it kind of just gets about getting someone out on the road rather than making the best experience for the the gig goer oh yeah well that's an area definitely we can talk about later i think you know in terms of how support bands get picked but for the minute let's say a support band is picked and they're like does the band contact you know, how, how does it work? How is, how is the contact done? 
I would say even the picking is, is, is strange sometimes because sometimes if you really like a band, you know, you know, someone might say, all right, lads, you've got this tour coming up in six months. Um, you know, is there any bands out there that you'd really like to ask, you know? And then usually the conversation is, this is how much money we can afford to pay them. And then usually the basis is around, we need someone who's probably worth on their own 500 tickets in this city. And then that's how we kind of gauge. Because you can't have people that are too big and you don't want people who are too small because, you know, in uh, it, uh, from the headline band, it's also about, you know, creating a good package for the fans, which helps sell some tickets and things like that. So either, you know, there's an act that you really like and would like to ask, or a lot of the time what happens is your agent goes, here is a list of 10 bands that we've had submissions for, they call it. I don't know if that's specifically for Arter or for just the generally, you know, banked all these bands that are willing to go on tour with anyone. And then you can listen. So sorry, a, a band would contact an agent, say we want to go on the road. Yeah, or, you know, the agent of another band contacts our agent and says, oh, I, saw, I see you got this two-door tour in six months. You got support yet? I've got these bands who would love to be on it kind of thing. And then we would have a listen to the music and go, awful, awful, awful. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and then pick one and that we like. And, and then we would never be in touch until day one of the tour. Everyone around us, like a crew or management or agent, would kind of liaise with them and make sure they've got everything they need and then on the first day you know we'll be like hello nice to meet you you know you're trying to cut down the window from when the tour starts to the point where you introduce yourself always try and do it as early as possible otherwise it gets a bit awkward now that's used from saying from like the headliners sure, perspective yeah. what about when you're a support band um say you're on the the phoenix tour that you guys went on or when do you decide to try and say hello or is it up the phoenix to come and say hello? I think whenever you're young, I think you probably assume it's, yeah, we're on their tour. They don't want to be bothered. Like, you, you know, you're very, we were very timid, I suppose, whenever we started. But no, they were all great and they were really tight with all their crew and everything. And I remember we all got like um, a little booklet from them with all their names and stuff of everyone who was on the road. So you could, you know, say hello to people straight away. Um, they were pretty keen on making that a real part from the get-go of the chair. That's nice. They were great from the off, I remember. Like, so friendly. It was probably one of the first times we've ever had that be being a support band. Which, you know, we've obviously had support bands on tour and you kind of know what it's like sometimes. You're in the middle of a world tour. You, you've turned up somewhere. You've got a band for a week. You're knackered. You know, you maybe aren't the best version of yourself all the time or the most outgoing version. Um, but Phoenix were great. Like that tour for us was definitely a game changer, not only from picking up fans, but just being on tour with, with a band at that level who had been doing it. They'd, they'd been doing it like 10 years at that point. They were just so polished and so professional. But, you know, other things as well, like how nice they were to everybody still. And uh, in terms of a, an actual show, not just getting up and playing, you know, their instruments and stuff, they, they put on a show with you know, next level production and all that sort of stuff. So it was definitely our like apprenticeship probably into, into being a, a headlining band who um, tours the world. Yeah, it became difficult though, because it's like they were, the, they set the benchmark so early on for us. And, you know, they're quite well known as being, you know, one of the best live bands out there. So, you know, in terms of the kind of production that they would, 
they would bring into a show and the lights and the video and all the rest was kind of next level. We'd never seen anything like that. I can remember we first supported them around Europe before we went to America with them. You know, there's not been another time where on the whole tour I've gone and watched the headline act every single night of the tour because we were just blown away by this production. We'd never seen anything like it. I remember hearing on the Phoenix tour that Ben, your your live drummer, actually had to fill in and play some shows with Phoenix. Is that right? That is correct. He had uh, what's called in the industry double bubble, as in he got paid twice. Yeah, usually it's like a, you know, maybe a sound engineer would double up and the support band will give him an extra 50 quid and he'll, he'll mix them, you know, or something like that. It's mm-hmm. quite rare that a, a band member does it. <laughs> That's amazing. So they, they, they match what you're paying them or maybe pay them more? Oh, I'm sure they're paying them a lot more. <laughs> um, yeah, drinks and were on him for the rest of the tour. I'll never forget. Um, we were on tour in Europe with them before this America tour where Ben ended up drumming. But at this point, we didn't, they hadn't asked us and hadn't asked Ben. And um, it was, I remember, I'll never forget, we were in Brussels. But the night before, we were in Amsterdam. And I think it was the bass player's birthday. So they they had said to us, oh, like, guys, it's a Dex birthday party. We're going to go to this place. You're welcome to join us. And. Very nice. Very, yeah, very nice. Um, they are very sort of suave and cool Frenchmen and we were a bit more sort of immature rough around the edges young Irishmen and uh, we like to drink. Full-blooded Irish. Yeah we like to drink and the thing about when your support band is you're done and you're packed up your van's loaded ready to go at like 8 9 p.m so you're like well what do we do now we probably have a beer so I remember we went to this birthday party and we got so drunk (laughs) <laughs> so drunk um, oh, it was awful I remember it now yeah yeah um, I, I seem to sort of remember having my you know mother hen cap on with you Sam you were a bit worse for wear I oh, seem to no. remember um, and yeah it was so much so that probably the next day you know we not only were very hungover we were probably like what did we do I'm sure we were we, oh, we were so no. embarrassing and really worried about like did we embarrass anyone you know the deck, the bass player Phoenix probably had like family and friends and, you know, could come to visit for his birthday party. And, and, uh, luckily, luckily I was confined to the, the toilet stall most of yeah, the night, I think. Yeah. Poking, <laughs> not, not doing anything else. Yeah. And, uh, I remember in Brussels the next day, this gig, um, our tour manager came into the room and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like it looks like a like a war zone, you know, bodies strewn across the room. Um, and the tour manager says to us, he's like, lads, um, the Phoenix guys would like to have a word with you. No. And we, dun, dun, we dun. were panicking like, oh, fuck, we've got this tour in America next month. Maybe, maybe they're going to say, lads, you know. You're not going to come in this. You can't trust you. You're too. You're drunks. Or hangover anxiety you through the flips. roof. Yeah, through the <laughs> roof. And um, I remember, like, we were genuinely bricking it while going into this room. Is this all? Is it the, the three of you guys yeah. going in at this point? Yeah. Yeah, the three of us, me, Sam, and Alex, and we'd all been out the night before, and we we're all still hanging big time, going into this room in the AB in Brussels, um, and. 
What age are you here? 20? <sighs> yeah, we would have been 20 because when we first went to America, which was like a month or two later, we were, we weren't 21. We were like 20. Yeah. Yeah, we were 20. Wow. And um, they were like lads. They really drew it out as well. They're like, oh, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> I don't know if they did, but it just, like, you know, in their very sort of, you know, put together, you know, suave French selves and you know, delicate, lovely language. And they finally got to the point and they said, we were wondering, would it be okay if we asked your drummer to play some shows with us in America? <laughs> we were like, oh my God. Yes, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah, have whatever you want. Yeah, take it, take it. He's yours. I don't care. Oh, that's oh, immense. It was, what a relief. It was such a relief. Yeah. And then did you, was Ben in the room when this happened or just, no. the, just you three? So then did you had to go back to Ben? No, I think we then uh, let them take the lead. I think it was a scenario of, of asking the father for the, the, the woman's <laughs> hand in marriage. You know, <laughs> you don't want to ruin the surprise for your do- lovely daughter. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember at the time we were even more agreed because before the tour, Ben didn't even know who Phoenix were. <laughs> we were like, oh. oh God, imagine if you had told them that and just said no. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. The other thing was you mentioned there was like how you watched Phoenix every night, which is quite a um, treat. But is that the the etiquette? Like whenever you, if you're a support band, do you feel like it's good manners to do that? Because obviously you've got to get onto another venue. And at the same time as a headliner, do you notice if the support band watches your set? I think as a headliner, because I, I, I guess because we're, usually in that scenario now where we have a support band. <laughs> I think from, from the point of view of a headliner, uh, like I wouldn't care if, if they didn't watch the gig. I would, I would more care just if they were like, you know, polite <laughs> on the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's more of a responsibility probably on the, the actual headline band whose tour it is to maybe just go and watch a few songs the odd night and, and to, you know, say words of encouragement and stuff i feel that responsibility more so than i did probably as a support band to yeah i think in the terms of the phoenix tour that was different because like we couldn't get enough of it mm. <laughs> we just wanted to watch it every night i mean you do kind of have to do uh a kind of public display of i'm watching you making sure that they know that you've done it you know uh, <laughs> and that's done in two ways um sound check you know, standing in the middle of an empty hall, you know, arms crossed, being like... <laughs> tapping yeah, the foot and on the Tapping the foot, yeah. Oh, I love... Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, at the end of that one song they do, you're like... <laughs> yeah. In an empty hall. That's the first way of, you know, showing your face kind of thing. The second way is, it, which is, has an added extra advantage, um, is when they're actually playing their gig later on in the evening, you stand side of stage... You know, so you're kind of in the wings so they can probably see you. And, you know, so that's like a, yeah, they know I'm here. They know I've, I've taken the time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a decent human being. Yeah. Um, box ticked. Like a support band in a way is being the supported band. You know what I mean? Getting this opportunity to play in these big halls and I guess just see how it's done. And I guess 
the headliners are helping them get seen. Yeah, bit of work experience, isn't it, really? Yeah, <laughs> it is in a way, right? <laughs> um, but when it doesn't work for both parties and it's only working for one, then it kind of gets, you know, it can get a bit awkward. So like the worst is when, you know, you obviously you book these people to come and support you or you get booked to support someone quite far in advance, you know, maybe six months, maybe maybe longer sometimes. Um, and if in that window you that person suddenly becomes a lot bigger <laughs> but they've already said yes to supporting you and they're suddenly worth a lot more than you know 100 pounds a night and they can sell a lot more tickets then it, 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 there's a definitely always sometimes a bit of an atmosphere where they kind of feel like they just have to be there um and then sometimes headline bands get a bit like awkward like maybe everyone's here to see the support band now and you know oh no insecurities insecurities creep in you know oh no has this has this happened to you boys um definitely Uh, had some people that then have gone on to much bigger and better things and are much bigger bands than us now (laughs) yeah uh, luckily i think that's the only way it's, it's happened yeah so i think it's pretty fair to say we were the stepping stone to their success. Well, that's it. They they watched your show. They learned how to do it. Learned what and not to do. <laughs> Gents, I guess this is a good time to, to quiz you guys on the successes of your support bands since they flew the two-door nest and never looked back. Who, uh, who supported you and then won to date? Three Brit Awards. <laughs> I think it's probably got to be the 1975. Yes, it is. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yes. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. When did they support us? That was ages ago, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It was in Europe, I remember. They were like the they first, were first three on, yeah. on, a, on a bill we were playing. Um, and I, I remember every day they sound checked with chocolate. And I just remember thinking... Oh no, I just got that out of my head and now it's in my head. <laughs> Not that it's bad, but just, you know, whenever a song is such an earworm, you're like, oh wow, that song is so catchy that like, these guys aren't going to be first of three for very long. <laughs> yeah, there's probably people in interviews say, oh, to the 1975, you know, it happened so quickly for you guys, you know, and they're probably thinking back to the days when they had to support Tudor Cinema Club. <laughs> 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 Remembering the hard times. What about, um, have you ever had a Mercury Prize nomination, you guys? Us? No. 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 We've never won any awards. We have. The only award we ever won. Uh, no, we won two. We've won uh, the Northern Irish Music Prize and we've won the Choice. Yes. No. Yeah. Which and is the we... Irish Music Prize, Northern Ireland and the Republic combined. Yeah. Um, yes. You and know what else we've won? The Breaking Woody Award. Yeah. That one just seems a lot less prestigious. The well, breaking Woody. I, I just remember it's an MTV award and it was a big ceremony in Austin where Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters were playing. Oh, he's yeah. hosting it maybe or something. Um, and we got the Breaking Woody and I remember I only knew about it because I knew Me Without You had won it whenever they first broke onto the scene. That was very exciting. <laughs> two, two of your support bands have also won a Woody. <gasps> have they? Wow. Who are they? Huh. Alt J? Did no. Alt J? No. Oh. No. Not Alt J. I'm going to reveal. Um, Sam, you get one guess. Oh, uh, 
churches. No. 1975 again. Oh. But also Bastille. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot they supported Bastille us. Bastille won a, a Woody for a Miley Cyrus cover. Oh. According to Wikipedia. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've never had a Mercury nomination. Which support band who supported Tudor actually went on and won a Mercury? Alt-J. Yes. Very good. <sighs> right, we'll get off this quiz. It, it seems every support band it's just who mixed, supported it's just you here has <laughs> won a... Alt-J. Well, there's also like Bombay Bicycle Club, uh, mm. Everything Everything. These bands have all had Ivor Novello nominations. <laughs> Everything Everything had have had three Ivor Novello nominations. How many have you guys had? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> okay, quickly moving Always on. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah. <laughs> with a with a support band going out, the 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 um. What's the etiquette into it? Is it shared catering? Can be. When we like when we would tour the UK, we would bring catering with us, um, which is the best thing ever. That could be a whole other topic. Just don't eat before the the band is the general rule. Right. So that's the rule. So the headliners get the go first. Yes. Okay. That's if you're on a bigger tour and there's catering. But if there's no catering, you know, you just get a buyout. Maybe. What What is a buyout? Your dinner money. Dinner money. Yeah. Well, and you go off and buy, you go out and buy a burrito or whatever you want for dinner. Yeah. Would Everything you... is so fluid and depends on the size of the tour and how kind the headline <laughs> band are with the budget, I suppose. Would you, would you want the buyout as a support band or do you want to be fed? Always cash. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a support band. I remember uh, when we first started supporting bands, we would like, there was always a rule. Uh, if you want to sell merchandise at the band's like merch table, you have to price it the same as their mm. merch. And we're thinking we're never going to sell anything. No one's going to spend 20 quid on a support band t-shirt. Uh, so we would go, go and stand outside the venue like uh, some market sellers after a gig <laughs> and just uh, sell them out the box to, to people leaving Oh my the God. So you can sell them for, you can sell them outside the venue for the regular price. Well, not, probably not, price le- probably like not legally. It was very, <laughs> that is uh, wild. It was very Del, Del Boy and Rodney, you know. <laughs> That's wild, but again, a nice way to engage with fans, I guess. And That's it, you know. Yeah. Well, I think we started, it started that way because I also remember a lot, a lot of venues uh, have these rules where the whoever owns the venue says, yeah, if you sell your merchandise in the venue, you have to give us 20% of whatever you make. That's a, dis- a, a they, disgrace. You know, they won't sell it for you. That's just basically the charge of, you know, selling your merchandise within their four walls. Um, so I think we were like, take a fucking hike. We're going out the front <laughs> with our suitcase of merch, like proper Del Boy. So good. And uh, and then I think we, as you said, like actually connected with some people around that and chatted to people. And, um, needed that petrol money. That's it. Needed the petrol money. I've I've seen that uh, again that T-shirt thing firsthand from from tours I've been on where actually it's been like a young boy band supporting I think it happened I think it was Boyzone they were supporting Boyzone or Westlife and they had the price match the T-shirts now these these are, are like completely starting out and suddenly their T-shirts forty quid you know <laughs> so like, yeah. what on Who's earth buy that? who but who is going to go to the gig to see Boyzone on their farewell tour and say, ah, uh, no, you know what? I, 
I'm going to go for the for the other the support bands T-shirt. They're investing in the future. They know boys aren't coming back. It bring that brings me on to like this other there this other side of it because um I've been aware through my work that you can actually pay on to tours now. That Isn't is that, true. Do you want to explain what what that is the pay to play kind of mentality? If you are a band artist and you have loads of money and that usually means you've signed a big record deal and they've put in the contract that you get X amount of money in what they call tour support. Because touring around the world or anywhere is very expensive and it's very hard to break even or make money unless you're bringing in big fees and you're playing lots of shows. So when you're a support band, you're just losing money always. So you get these bands that have loads of backing from a big company and, you know, they say, oh, well, Tudor Cinema Club are, are going out on tour. You know, that would be really good for the, for the career if we get on that. So how do we get on to that tour? We'll approach Tudor Cinema Club and say, we'll pay you £500 a night to let us play before you. I am very proud to say that we've never accepted a support band paying on to our tour. We've always paid them. I think that probably started out because the very first tour we ever went on, this band who'd come over from America called Igloo and Hartley. We were so excited playing like relatively small venues around the UK, but we'd never been outside of Ireland before. So we got the gig and a couple of weeks before we got told that actually we were going to be first on because... First of three. First of three instead of the third being Igloo and Hartley. Someone was going to be in the middle, the main support slot, because uh, they'd paid on to the tour. And we felt very aggrieved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think we had no money at all and we were just kind of making it work and you turn up and then there's another band who like aren't in the same boat like they've got a fancy van or they've got you know nice you know guitar stands and we just sort of set ours on the floor yeah. yeah someone sets up their gear and you know you're just like those oh, fucking entitled pricks you know yeah um, but i think yeah luckily now we've seen the other side of it and you realize now how short-sighted that way of working is because you know, it's not free money. It's money that goes against your account. And if you don't make it back in sales, you know, the, the record label just drop you because you've cost them, you know, thousands of pounds. Uh, so, so yeah, luckily we've always sort of broke, broken even or tried to at least and uh, never really cost anyone any, any money. Maybe these bands never saw much of a value in paying to support us. <laughs> That's <why> we... <laughs> <laughs> what about, have there been ever... Um... Like, what about faux pas? Did you ever have any big blunders when you were a support act? Well, not say who it was, but um, remember we supported someone and um, it was very... Funny, mo- I'm trying to guess what you're talking about now. This <laughs> <laughs> story uh, is mainly involving you. Um, oh. And we... It was kind of like we were still living in Belfast at the time and... It was like a big band had come, English band had come to play in Belfast and we got the support slot and we were like, yeah, great. Not really a big fan of the band, but you didn't, you never said no. Um, and I can remember being like, we really didn't like their music and we weren't fans, but we just sort of, you know, got on with it. <laughs> and, um, and I remember Sam, your now wife was a big fan. And do you oh. not remember she made you go get an autograph? <laughs> oh no. 
Yeah, no, she didn't ask me to. I did it of my own volition. I thought, wouldn't that be nice? I'll go get one of their t-shirts, ask them to sign it. And it was oh, just a bit embarrassing, I suppose. <laughs> to ask, oh, maybe it's not. Maybe loads of people do that if they're... Yeah. Hang on, where did you get, did you get, did you pay for the t-shirt out the front, then Probably, take it to the yeah. back? And then what <laughs> you go and, paid for it. You go and knock on their dressing room door sort of thing? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably hadn't met them before as well, because like, yeah, you're, you're, you're playing two gigs with them, maybe Belfast and Dublin or else just Belfast. Uh, I mean, we've played with them since and hopefully they forgot about that and didn't even remember who we were the next time did, we played with did them. Did they so. sign it for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. And they're probably from then on, they probably remember and think, oh, Sam Peterson, I was a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Get that t-shirt <laughs> yeah, framed. Made their night. Yeah. I, I remember one of the first times we played outside of Belfast. Remember when we did like a showcase in London, Kev, one night uh, in Hoxton Bar and Kitchen? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. It was a club night and we were on like, it was a support act, but it was like very much our first show in London and it was a bit of an industry gig. You know, people were there to check us out, to cross us off their list and say, not for us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, there was a bit of buzz about it in terms of us playing. Um, A record label took us for bento boxes. We'd never had a bento box. We were like, what is this? Fancy (laughs) farm food over here. So we played our gig and it was very much people were leaving after we played, you know, because it was, yeah, industry folk. They weren't really there to have a night out. And people were trying to talk to us as we were trying to clear up our stuff, I remember. And it's very important as your support band to get your stuff off the stage as soon as possible. Do you know? Like the Mm -hmm. the main band needs to come in, get all their stuff going, uh, get off the stage. And, uh, I was like talking to somebody and the guitar player from the next band just came over and just gave me a real hard time. <laughs> I remember. Oh, yeah. with me. I just was close. I was like, oh, Flip, I'm, I was, you know, so sorry. Like, just got in. Okay. I just felt like such a tool. Oh, Sam. What, did he swear? Did he use any profanity? Probably. And it was bad because I, I had been really complimentary to him in the sound check, I remember. I felt like we had gotten on from mm. the guitar player. Oh, no. And then he just, yeah. Told me to shreds. Told me to get off the stage. <laughs> Fair oh. enough. Everyone was leaving, and he was going to play to nobody. What about? Has anyone ever been truly out of line supporting you guys? The the biggest fear is like you have a support band that are too popular and too familiar with like just bringing a load of people backstage, and like it just okay. causes me a wee bit of anxiety in terms of there's loads of people back here that I don't know that are all having a drink and just like all my stuff is back here and like I don't know all you, you people. You always want to go to someone else's house for the house party. You don't yeah. want the house party to be at your house. Well, no, nothing's there's a good, wrong though. Well, there's a good story here because you do kind of feel a bit like the dressing room and all that is, can be the safe space. So sometimes, you know, you know, maybe you're hungover or maybe you're just not in the mood. You don't want to chat to random people and get drunk or whatever. So um, you're not really up for the party vibes. And uh, <laughs> we were on tour in America and we had a support band with us. And there's quite a few occasions where you'd be like, oh, hello, who, who are you? Are you, you know, blah, 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 sister maybe or relative or whatever? And they're like, no, no, I just met them in the crowd. And you're like, oh, oh wow. Cool. Cool, cool. And now you're back here. Great. 
But then there was one famous <laughs> time in San Francisco, I think. We Oakland, came, yeah. Yeah, we came back from uh, the stage we'd just played. And <laughs> coming back, we, we went past their dressing room and the door was closed. And you could just hear some faint, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> there was an orgy <laughs> going oh, on. right. And, uh, and it was like a real kind of, oh my God. The support band are like 50 times more rock and roll than we are. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to make a peppermint tea or something. <laughs> hey, Sam, do you like Instagram? <laughs> hey, Greg, I love Instagram. <laughs> How about you, listener? You should definitely get over to at uh, MFT podcast on Instagram and Twitter and come and let us know uh, how we're getting on and if there's any topics you'd like us to consider thanks for listening this week it's been fun talking about support bands and, and reminiscing really 